all of us when we give lessons, preach sermons, and so forth, have a, a couple of things that we try to do. I think I speak for all of you fellows when you give lessons, that we have an intention. We don't always get it done, but we know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make our points or our point or points uh, simple and obvious, and so that people know what we've been talking about. There's nothing worse than that story we've repeated before about the fellow who went to hear a preacher preach, and the next day someone asked him, "What did he preach about?" And the guy said, "I don't know. He didn't say." <laughs> we don't want to do that. We want to make sure that people understand the point or points that we're trying to make, and then, of course. To, to motivate to action. So make the points understandable and then hopefully get people to act upon the points that have been learned. That's, that's the objective. That's what we're trying to do. Tonight's lesson is very obvious, very simple. Hopefully there'll be no difficulty in understanding the point we're trying to make, but we do hope that we can motivate to act. Our lesson tonight is very simple. We want to talk about reading the Bible and we want to motivate one another to do that. Uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We are here upon the start of a new year. Um, again, for the 14th time, Arthur, this is the 14th calendar that we have printed. Okay, and so we're starting on 14. Uh, Bible reading calendars that we have printed. Time flies. Seems like doesn't seem like it's that long ago we started doing this, but time flies. So for the 14th time, we printed a Bible reading calendar. Many of you have followed that and read through the Bible. Uh, we're encouraging you to do it again. Uh, it is always amazing that every time we read the Bible, it seems like we see new things. We learn important new truths. Uh, we see little things that we had maybe skipped over or, or missed when we read it previously. And so it's certainly a valuable time to spend reading the Bible. We want to talk about that tonight and encourage us all to, as the new year begins, get started with our daily Bible readings. Uh, we thank you for being here tonight. Before we go any further, just say thank you for your presence. Our number's way down. We've got a whole host of sick people. We've got people traveling and away from us. And, 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 of course, the weather is horrible, and so our number is way down. But we appreciate you for being here and for your diligence to be present on this uh, gloomy Sunday night. But thanks for being here tonight. Let's talk about, uh, I'll keep it simple, I'll try to keep it brief. Let's just talk about reading our Bibles. We want to stress the importance of it. We want to motivate you to, into action uh, with this start of the new year. First, The first point we want to make is that God wants His Scriptures to be read publicly and privately. Notice in Ephesians chapter two, uh, 3, rather, Ephesians chapter 3, the text that Josh read for us earlier, if you have heard of the dispensation of grace, of, of the grace of God which is given to me to you, or how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I have forewrote in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Notice, when we read, we can understand. Paul gave this information, or excuse me, God gave this information to Paul by revelation. He wrote it down. Now all we have to do is read and know what God wants us to know. What an amazing thing that is. Uh, we stress a lot the importance of the written Word of God, and I think it's right that we do so. It was God's choice to communicate with us in this fashion. There, there would have been other options available. God could have chosen to communicate with us in a whole array of different methods, but He chose this method. 
I don't know why. He doesn't say why. You could speculate why. One thing that we know for sure is that in order to grasp the meaning of a written communication, it requires commitment and involvement. You have to work at it. And perhaps that's why God did it that way, because he wanted us to put forth the effort to learn about him and to receive the message that he intended for us. And so uh, it was done this way by the written word. But, you know, written things are really special to us, if you stop and think about that. If you all think back to your courting days, uh, some of us have to think harder. It was longer ago for some of us. But in a romantic situation, a guy and a gal, and they are in love, what's more special? Well, it's special to receive a phone call and talk to that person. But isn't it extra special to get a love letter in the mail? And I'm not talking about a text message on your phone. I'm not talking about an email in your computer. Get that actual letter written in their hand, and it's in the mailbox, and you open it up, and there's the envelope, and you're so excited to open it and see what it says. There's something special about a written communication. And God chose to communicate with us that way. And so we read and we understand His message. Notice First Timothy 4, verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Here probably the reading that Paul was encouraging Timothy to do was public reading. He was encouraging Timothy to publicly read the Scriptures so that others could hear it. I would guess that the percentage of people who were literate, that is the, the percentage of people who could read, was probably a lot lower then than it is now where we live. Certainly there were a lot fewer copies of the written Word of God than there are today. And so the public reading of Scriptures was very important. Here Paul was encouraging Timothy to do that. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. It was important. Do this. Read it. Make sure everybody is able to hear what has been written here in this Word. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 16, when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. You know, this verse raises some questions. He tells the church at Colossae, see that this epistle is read among you, and that it also be read at Laodicea. So he's talking about the book we call Colossians, right? That's easy. What's this other letter? He says, likewise... Ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. What's that? The epistle. We don't have a book in our New Testament called Laodiceans. What, what is that epistle? Well, there's, there's several possible answers. One is that it is a lost letter uh, that we don't have anymore, a letter that Paul wrote that, that was not preserved for us. Another possible meaning is that there was a letter that the church at Laodicea had written to Paul and that he was forwarding it on, which I don't think is probably very likely. Actually, I think most commentators think that this is probably a reference to the letter we call Ephesians. That the letter, he says, the letter from the church at Laodicea, probably is the letter that we call the book of Ephesians. And, and it was on its rounds. It was making its rounds among the churches in that region. Clearly, this passage tells us that these inspired epistles that were being written by Paul and others were being circulated even in that early first century church. 
they were circulating these important, inspired messages, they needed to be read. People needed to know what was contained in them. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, the Lord said, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Uh, just a lot of emphasis. I don't know, there's what, one, two, three, four, five verses at least that suggest the importance of getting this message out so people can read it and know what's in it. God wants his scriptures read privately and publicly. Now, for us who are interested in pleasing God, to simply know that ought to be enough. If it's what God wants me to do, I ought to do it. That should be enough. But there's some other things uh, as well that we could add to this emphasis on the importance of reading your Bible. We know that under the Old Testament system, we're not under that system anymore, but we know under the law of Moses that the Scriptures were to be read. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 11, When all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Now again, know for sure that there weren't as many who could read, definitely weren't as many copies of these inspired documents available in those days, so reading it publicly to them was very important. God wanted it to be done. He commanded that it be done. He gave special instruction, for instance, for the kings, that the Word of God be read for and by them. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, beginning verse 18, it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes, to do them, that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days. It was important. God wanted the kings to have their own copy. See that a copy is made, and that they have it with them all the time, and that they read it, and they learn it, and they live by it, and they rule by it. That was the instruction that God had for kings. Notice in Exodus 24, verse 7, talking about Moses, he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. Moses read the law to the people. Joshua did the same in Joshua chapter 8, verse 34, beginning. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel, with women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, that would have taken a fair amount of time just to read through all the things that Moses had written and all the specific laws and so forth that had been uh, written down. Joshua read them before the people. Just recently we studied in Nehemiah. And we know that in Nehemiah it talks about Ezra the priest reading the law before the people. As, uh, Nehemiah 8, beginning verse 1, All the people gathered themselves together as one man, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, and he read, it there, and he read therein from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So, there's again several passages from the Old Testament that suggest that this has always been what God wanted. Uh, you know, the, the written law was first given by Moses, and as soon as it was accomplished, he wanted that to be read. 
He wanted people to know what was in it, to convey what was in the written word. You know, as I think we've mentioned before, skeptics for a long time doubted the Bible, the Bible's accuracy in regards to this point about Moses writing things because they said, ah, the Bible's wrong about that. People didn't know how to write and they didn't know how to read in the days of Moses. And so these Bible references that we've just cited, wherein it's told that Moses wrote and read and Joshua read the things that were in the law, they said, couldn't have been so. That was, that was a standard objection to the Bible for a long, long time. And it's really only been within about the last couple hundred years that archaeological discoveries have been made which prove beyond any shadow of doubt that, of course, they knew how to read and write in Moses' day. And so that long-held criticism of the Bible has vanished because we know for sure Moses could have written and he could have read and the Scriptures say that he did. And again, we see this emphasis that God put upon reading what was in the Bible. So, God wants it that way. He's always wanted it that way. We can see that Jesus expected that the Jews of his day should have read and known the Scriptures. Now, they didn't always do that, but the things that Jesus said clearly indicated that he would have thought they would have. They hadn't. They hadn't properly read and understand the Scriptures, and Jesus basically chided them about that. They should have known. Notice just a few examples of this. Just All of these are from just Matthew's Gospel account. In Matthew chapter 12, you may remember... Uh, that the Pharisees came to Jesus accusing his disciples of violating the Sabbath day. Now, they were wrong about that, and Jesus referenced two Old Testament uh, passages to prove that what his disciples had done was not a violation of the Sabbath. But he used the expression there, and you're familiar with it, and he said, have you not read? In other words, when they, when they accused Jesus' the disciples of doing wrong, he didn't say, I say no, you say yes, I say no, we'll just have to disagree about that. No, what he did was, he referenced the Old Testament law. But he said, haven't you read? And, and, and the implication of that is, I'm surprised. You guys call yourselves teachers of the law, and you haven't read these accounts? You should have, you should have known that. Jesus expected that they would have known that. They didn't, but he expected it of them. In Matthew chapter 19, a very familiar text to us in Matthew chapter 19, the question about divorce came up. And in answering the questions that they asked him about divorce, he again used that expression, have you not read? It's almost the idea of, I'm surprised that you would ask these things. Have you not read? You should have, you know. I wonder how many of us would be open to that same criticism things we should know that we don't because we haven't applied ourselves to read and study the Bible. Have you not read? Wouldn't it be a shame if the Lord said to us, have you not read? I'm surprised. Why don't you know this? You should know this. If you've been reading your Bible, you would know this, is the idea. Uh, Let's not fall uh, into that condemnation. Let's read and know our Bibles. In Matthew chapter 21, uh, they challenged Jesus after Jesus had cleansed the temple. Matthew's account of the cleansing of the temple. And when they challenged him, again, he used that expression, Yea, did you never read? You would know why I'm doing this if you had any knowledge about the things that are written uh, in the law of Moses. In Matthew chapter 21, uh, Jesus told 
the parable of the wicked husbandmen who killed the messengers that were sent to them and so forth and finally killed the, the heir of the, of the master, you know. And Jesus, they, they saw that he was talking about them. Uh, but again, he used that same expression. Did you never read in the Scriptures? I was surprised at you. Did you never read in the Scriptures? You should have known that. And then finally, in Matthew chapter 22, uh, this is that famous exchange with the Sadducees. When the Sadducees came to him, you know, asking, uh, what about this poor woman? She married a man, he died. She married his brother, he died, married his brother. Seven brothers all were married to this same woman. They thought they had Jesus in a real trap in regards to the resurrection of the dead. Uh, but in answering them, Jesus said, have you not read? Have you not read? You should have read. You should have known this. Uh, but in all, and that's just in Matthew's account, but the idea we're getting from that is Jesus certainly had an expectation that people would read and know the things that are in the Word of God. And again, I just wonder how he would speak to us if he were speaking to us directly. And, and some question came up the answer to which is obviously in the Word of God, but we've not learned it. We've not been applying it. Would He say to us, wait a minute, haven't you been reading your Bibles? Don't you know this? Let's not let that be the case. Let's read our Bibles. Jesus expected it of them, and I believe it would be clear to say that Jesus would expect the same of us. Another motivation to be reading our Bibles is because there's great benefits to reading the Bible. And and they are, they are spelled out. We've already talked about some of them, really. But notice a very familiar text. We use it often when we're talking about inspiration. Second Timothy 3, beginning verse 15. From a child, talking to Timothy, Paul says, From a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Notice, the Scriptures are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Now, you have, to, you have to remember that based upon what Paul said there, the Holy Scriptures that he is making reference to would be Old Testament, right? Because the, Timothy, in his youth, didn't have access to the New Testament, hadn't been written yet. And so the scriptures that Timothy had been taught from a youth would have been Old Testament scriptures, but even there, they're given by inspiration of God, and knowing the things that are therein will make you wise unto salvation. And what if we didn't have our Old Testaments? What if we didn't have the information that was contained there? You know, in our daily Bible readings, every day, five days a week, of course, that's one of the things I really like about that schedule. You have five days. If you miss a day, you got a couple days to catch up on the weekends. But... Someone said, why do we spend every year reading through the Old Testament? The Old Testament's a lot longer. It takes a lot more time to read the Old Testament sections than it does the New Testament sections. Why, would we, why do we need to bother with that Old Testament? Part? Well, here Paul says the Old Testament is valuable in making us wise unto salvation. There's a lot of things we wouldn't understand in the New Testament if we didn't have the Old Testament information that backs that up and gives us the background for our understanding. We need to be reading that. It makes us wise unto salvation. In John chapter 16, verse 33, the Lord said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Notice, the things that are there, the things that Jesus spoke and are recorded for us, that we can have peace. I don't know how people in the world have any peace. 
People who don't believe in God, who don't study His Word, who don't learn the truths that are there and don't try to live by them, how do they have any peace in their lives? I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't think they really do. But these things are available for us so that we can have peace. In John 15, verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus spoke them. They were written down for us in the Scriptures so that our joy can be full. Romans chapter 15, verse 4, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Notice, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, we can have hope. What if we didn't have the Bible? What, what if we were just struggling along here, trying to make our way, trying to live life to have some meaning, and, and instead of the, just the idea that this is all there is, what a futile existence on this miserable earth? No, we have the comfort of the Scriptures to know that there's something beyond this life. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Notice, by reading and studying the things that are in the Word of God, we can know whether or not we have this anticipation of eternal life. Uh, it's not a mystery. You don't have to wonder. Uh, boy, I just wonder what God wants me to be doing. There must be a God... There must be some superior being that created all the physical universe. I wonder what he wants me to be doing. No, we're not left to wonder. You can know that you have eternal life through the things that are written in the Word of God. He told you what he wanted you to do. And all you have to do is compare your life to that standard and do your best to live by it and receive the blessings that are promised there. Of course, we're not suggesting perfect law-keeping because we're not capable of that, the Scripture says. But through the things that are written there, we have this hope of eternal life. Through our uh, faith and obedience and through God's mercy and grace, we have the anticipation of eternal life. James chapter 1, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, notice, which is able to save your souls. Our salvation is linked to that word of God. Do you see that? Someone said, oh, I think this is a secondary matter. I think this is not terribly important. Well, James said that our salvation is linked with the engrafted Word of God. Acts chapter 20, verse 32, when Paul was speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus, he said, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. What's the Word able to do? able to build you up and give you an eternal inheritance. And so, those are just uh, a smattering of passages that illustrate the point we're making here is that there's a great benefit, there are many great benefits to us to reading the Bible. For those of you who have been involved with this as the years go on and you've been reading your Bibles, it'd be interesting, we, don't, we won't do it of course, but it'd be interesting to see when in the day you do this and how you approach it. Uh, Arthur and I were talking the other day, and he does like to do the same thing I like to do. I like to get a cup of coffee first thing in the morning and sit down and do my daily Bible reading. It seems like it gets the day off to sort of a jump start. Uh, read that Bible. It doesn't really take that long, honestly. If you, if you really uh, apply yourself, it doesn't take that long. So spend that time. And I, I would 
unless you're even a slower reader than I am, and I'm not a fast reader, uh, you can do that in less than a half an hour. You can easily do that Bible reading in less than half an hour and then spend several minutes in prayer having finished your Bible reading and your cup of coffee. Spend some time in prayer. Can you imagine a better way to start the day? I don't think there, I, I don't think you could even begin to imagine a better way to spend your day than that. If you've not been doing that, let me just really encourage you. Get a copy of the daily Bible reading. Try it. And you'll like it. <laughs> try. Give it a try if you've not been doing that. We're not trying to shame anybody or guilt, uh, put a guilt trip on you if you haven't been doing that. But we would say you're missing out on something. You're missing out on something valuable. But more than that, I think you're missing out on something God wants you to be doing. I think the Scriptures are clear that He wants you to do this. And therefore, if you will, I know that a blessing will come by having done so. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say and hope it's been, first of all, clear. As we said at the outset, I hope our point is clear. I don't see, I don't see how anybody could miss that. Then we hope that it also has provided some motivation to be involved in reading your Bible. Thanks for your good attention. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you're not right with God, don't stay in that condition any longer. If you're not a Christian, become one by obeying the gospel plan of salvation. If you're a Christian who's fallen away, come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.